You're listening to Wicked Thoughts, a podcast by Flair Castro. This show helps founders and professionals understand business trends, social media, digital lifestyle, and how to be a better entrepreneur. For season four, we cover topics powered by a dash of social. Let's start learning in three, two, one. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to Wicked Thoughts for our episode as part of our season four for Dash of Social. We have here Mr. Lee O'Brien. Hi, Lee. Hi, Flair. Great to have you here, and thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, and so, guys, if you don't know Lee, Lee is actually one of our customers for Dash of Content. I'm going to read up his profile just for no for you to know about him a little bit. So for the last two decades, while living in six different countries, Lee here has performed in multiple industries. And I tell you guys, I actually geeked out when I saw his IMDB profile. So I'm going to ask more about that from Lee later, later on. So his last performance as a media talent actor brought him to the Philippines. And just two years ago, he began a new career in food manufacturing. And through the first months of learning the business and across the pandemic, Lee here has learned a lot and came to realize so much more about work-life balance. And that's what we want to hear from you, Mr. Lee. Hi. Right on. Hi, Flair. This is great. I'm excited to talk about this. It's yeah, my life. same here. It's about <laughs> life. It's about work. And everything uh, in between. So yeah, for our listeners to get some more context about you, Mr. Lee, can you talk about yourself a bit? Sure, sure. Well, uh, I am an American-born human being who uh, was born and raised in the States, in the state of California, just outside of San Francisco. Um, went, to, went to school up in Seattle, Washington, at the University of Washington. And then after college, I just had this urge and I had this real, real desire and calling to go backpacking. And so I went to Europe, backpacked for five months that I thought was going to be the end all be all, move home, get a job, settle down, life goes on, you know, sow your oats. And all it did was make me want to travel more. So like a year and a half later, I ended up going on another backpacking trip down through Latin America for another five months. And I ended up moving to Costa Rica. And uh, that was that was what started the 10 years in Latin America, where I ended up living in like four different countries. Um, you know, landing in these countries, with no friends, no job, nothing, uh, had to find my way, kind of create things. Uh, I did all sorts of stuff. I sold, sold coupon, promo coupons door to door. I did uh, flower export. I did fruit export, um, marketing, early, early digital marketing, um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and that's where I actually got my start in acting. When I was in Peru, I was selling door to door at this vacant house where they were doing oh. auditions. And the guys said, hey, you know, after I pitched them my coupons, they didn't buy, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so they said, hey, man, you want to do an audition? And I was like, sure. And about they called me back for like four or five more auditions. And then on the fifth one, they finally just said, yeah, you, you know, we're hiring you for this commercial. And so I did a commercial in Peru and then uh, ended up moving to Ecuador and was doing commercials and infomercials there. So that got me into acting and media talent and hosting and uh lots you know my first 10 projects i think were in spanish so i wasn't doing english until i got back to the states did you learn how to speak spanish that time yeah I mean, yeah I, for I 10 years to, right i had to yeah yeah like the door-to-door -door selling helped a lot 
You know, it was like, it was literally the best practice in the world because it was full immersion. And if I didn't sell, I didn't eat that night. So, you know, you go out, you learn your Spanish, very simple, cut, dry, minute, two minute interactions, and then get out and, and go. So I, I really- You must have sold well. a lot, Lee, for sure. I did, did okay. You? I did okay. I played the, yeah, I played the white gringo card. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I imagine. Like, token white guy in my door talking to me like I would bite, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I admit, I admit, like I was a novelty. Like I'd show up and they were like, for sure. You know? And then the, and then, and then when we went out on weekends and we went to the houses, residential, I had to tell them that I wasn't Mormon and I wasn't showing them, you know, the Bible. I was like, <laughs> whip up the free. Bible was, you know, and then like, <laughs> yeah, I get my, my pickup line was my lady, lady, I'm Catholic and I've got free pizza for you. Listen. And that usually got her like unsettled and, you know, calm the nerves enough for me to, <laughs> me to pitch my wares. So, yeah. But then yeah. it's the same place that you actually invited you to audition, right? What you said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the place that, uh, well, it was funny because it was, you know, like when we're, when we're doing houses and stuff, you know, like the funny thing about the audition was it was a deserted house. Mm. And so like mm. you're ringing the doorbell and you're like, oh, no one's here, but those are actually the auditions often happen at deserted houses, right? Because then they have the freedom to use all the space and okay. you, know, you don't have like that how it works. For shoots. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of worked out that way. And when I went in, I went four or five times to these guys, visited them. And I even got really cocky on the last visit. And I was like, hey guys, are you ever going to cast me in anything? You know, because I keep coming back here and you never cast. It's like the last thing you should say in an audition is are you ever going to cast me it's like you know it's borderline deep were you fed up with the four to five visits there that they like oh, okay let's get this guy like <laughs> my my ignorant mind i didn't learn about the, i learned about the industry later and like that was just a no-no but my 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 <laughs> philosophy was i'm one of like a handful of blonde blonde haired clear-eyed white guys in the neighborhood like either you want me or you don't you know like <laughs> That was my that was my thought process. Later on, I realized, you know, there's it's a lot more, it's a lot more levels to that game than just than just you know white guys. So um, yeah, but like it worked out and it was a fun commercial, and that just spurred me on to keep doing it when I moved on to other countries. And then I moved back to the states, and I was in the San Francisco mm -hmm. Bay Area working as an, I I worked construction for like a year or two, and then I got into acting. And uh, that was, yeah, 2000, end of 11 through the middle of 15, I was in the Bay Area. And, um, you know, the Bay Area for acting, for media, it's great for commercials because we have all mm -hmm. the beautiful sites, you know, lots of car commercials right. filmed up there. But um, it's not that great for the movies and shows. And so... You should have gone to LA, right? It's well, that was there. my next step. You know, it was Philippines <laughs> or LA. Literally, like that was going to be my my choice. Was and, it uh, really? Yes, okay. Philippines, totally. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so, what what ended up? Uh, what made you choose the Philippines instead of LA? Well, uh, the first part was that we we did a, a movie called Edsel Woolworth that we did with the Filipino Channel. I saw that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that we premiered here in January of fifteen. And then uh, ended up dating my co-star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still dating to this day. Uh, <laughs> she's she's an actress, pretty good comedian too. Her name's Pokwong. You might know her. 
Yeah, uh, not familiar. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. You're more of an II fan? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, of course, everyone right. knows Pok Wong. Come on. Another Uge fan. Okay. We get everyone it. knows Pok Wong. Yeah, She's really hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't I didn't realize that until uh, until about our fourth or fifth day of filming over in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And to see the response from the Filipinos there was just, I mean, you know, was, she was getting more attention than than the Americans, you know, like Filipinos were coming out of the woodwork looking for on our shoots and, and, you know, sitting at the restaurants eating this big Filipino meal and every minute someone's coming over to get a picture and, and it was, it was crazy. I didn't realize what, you know, kind of a. He's a huge celebrity for sure. Huge, yeah. Iconic. No, before we talk about like what happened after, let's go back. Like, how did you meet her? I want to, I want to listen to the meet cute part. <laughs> Yeah, so the story goes that our first day of shooting together, um, bless his heart, one of our assistant directors sent me a text with the wrong call time. So he said, hey, 10 o'clock at night, and really it was 10 o'clock in the morning. So he sent me the text for 10 o'clock at night, so I'm sitting at home, it's 11 in the morning, I'm just cleaning up some stuff, getting ready to go. Uh, and the director, John D. Lazatine, like phones me up and he's just like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at home, why, what's up? He's like. <laughs> You know, your call time was 10 a.m. What happened? I'm like, well, here's the text. And he was just like, oh, no. He's like, please get over here. So I jumped in the car, bolted across the uh, San Mateo Bridge, got over to the shooting site, grabbed my stuff. Because, you know, in San Francisco, you know, we, uh, we indie, we, we uh, non-union actors have to bring our whole wardrobe to set, all our makeup mm. to set. You know, we're like the theater, the theater actors here, just like that, right? You know, you you're tugging all your Grab stuff. Everything. So I'm like running out. I'm like, just, you know, my first day of the shoot, I finally got this break on a movie. You know, I'm just like, this can't go any worse. And I'm like looking around and Pokey's just sitting out there leaning against the car. And she was smoking at the time. So she was sitting out there just smoking. And she was just like, oh, and I was like, hi, are you Pokewong? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. And like, I couldn't shake her hand because I had my clothes and I was like, all right, yeah, nice to meet you. And then I'm like, okay, where's John D? I got to find the director. And it was just this. And guess what? Our second, our first scene was one of our first kiss scenes. Immediately so right, scene? Like, right out, like 10 minutes into what? shooting was we started kissing. Yeah. So it was nuts. Yeah. It was, the ice was broken at that point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. I mean, straight to kissing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, uh, no, no qualms <laughs> over on that set. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And then, and I mean, in essence, that kind of broke the ice. It was actually nice because right. we weren't sitting there too worried about, you know, how are we going to interact? And so it's like, okay, we got that out of the way. Let's move on. <laughs> so, yeah. And then you eventually, how was it after? Like you were in, San Fran, right? That was in San Fran. You met yeah, there. Yeah, so we shot that uh, August, August, September of 2014, and then premiered it here in 15, mm. January 15. And then after the premiere, that's when she and I started dating, like in February. And you and were here in the Philippines already, right? No, I was still in San Francisco. So we were oh. doing long distance. Mm. Um, and then I decided to come visit her end of April. And I came out for three weeks, planned three weeks. And while I was here, I got booked uh, onto a lead role on TV5 on a show called Kano Loves Pinai, which is about 
Cano's and Pinay's meeting online. (laughs) So yeah, and it was uh, Tuesday Vargas was my, was my co-star and uh, it was along Wilma doesn't um, great cast, like really, really great cast. Seis Quesada, um, Boo Boy, gotta be names. uh, Yes. Yeah. Bunch Mm. of great, great people. And, um, and yeah, that was, I decided, well, maybe I should stay out here. And so I stayed six months for that. And then, uh, you know, our relationship kind of built off that. And here we are today. And we got a little mini us, Malia, running around too. So yeah, things, things, those things advance quick. <laughs> oh, not quick, huh? I mean, that was 2015. And then, yeah, right? 2015. And now you're like going strong. You're like, you have a business together as well. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, totally. Um, so the business, technically, the precedent to the business was we started our vlog back in December of 17. Mm. Um, back when she was pregnant, she had been off work for like six months. And, um, you know, one of the other t- talents she has, apart from being a great comedian, a great show host, amazing actress, both comedic and dramatic, is she's a heck of a cook. And so for like the last 10, 15 years, um, whenever her fellow co-stars um, have either had a birthday or a shoot in Antipolo, they would text her up on, on the shoots. And then for her, their birthday, she would just automatically cook them calios, cook them laing, cooking alige. Um, she would give them two gallon bottles of suka. And so I, you know, I knew that you know, all of them loved the, the food. And then I remember like four or five years ago, right when I had gotten here to the country, we went to a UP town center, had a celebrity bazaar. Mm. And she made these little Latin trays with suka bottles and literally in three days sold probably 2000 units. A good, wow. a good one eight. Yeah. Oh gosh. Like had, not, huh? There was like, like a three hour section from like 11 a.m. to two and then a 5 p.m. to eight at night. And on the at the two o'clock when it would stop, out. we'd we'd it'd sell out, and then we'd have like two hundred pre-orders going into the night, and like you look at her stand, and there'd be a line of like a hundred people. And so I told her afterwards, I was like, you know, you, you should look at maybe making a side business or something, just cooking something. So you know, you have extra income, you have something else going on, you know, that would be a, a nice opportunity for you. Um, and you know, I kept I kept bugging you know i did the the earworm thing i kept sitting on her shoulder saying hey you should think about this think about this and when we started the vlog we started cooking all these different meals none of the stuff that we produce now but the people in the comments were like where's your suka where's your alige where's the lying you know like people you taste it. i'm getting hungry now yeah. yeah and so like finally uh it was it was actually we're at the two-year anniversary so it was two years ago mm. this month um, we decided to start the business and start going into it. And um, yeah, so we started off with suka, alige, and laing. And those were our, our three products and then two variations of alige. There's a chili garlic and a garlic. So one's spicy and one's, uh, we call it hearty, hearty garlic. So those were your, your core products. And up until now, right? It's still in the growth stage, definitely. So yeah. those are the main products that you have. But in terms of operations, you've done a lot. Like you're out there, you're selling, you're now on Shopee, Lazada, all of these platforms. So yeah. I, I know we're going to talk about that in a few, but 
I want to ask, like, how did you? <laughs> it's weird if I should ask, like, how did you come up with Pukli? It's like, come on, <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just stole the Love Team uh, moniker and threw it on. I we were we'd used it for the vlog, so we were doing Pukli cooking, mm. and then you know we just said, hey, Pukli foods, you know, like it's the next generation of it's the next evolution of of the of, of the, the YouTube. Game. Yeah, but you, you, know? you started as a YouTube channel. That's really interesting. I yeah. mean, that's social media right there since we're talking about social for this season, you know? Yeah. How, how did you grow the channel? Maybe we can ask for some tips. Yeah, I mean, YouTube. The, the, mm. yeah, YouTube, the, the idea on YouTube is consistency. Like you you want to, mm. you True. either want, you either want great consistency or you want quantity. Like you want to, you know, just get the number of videos in there. Mm. And then when you're getting those numbers up of videos, you want to keep your ear ear peeled for the, for all your customers and clients saying, "Hey, cook this next. Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you know?" Like we started, what we started implementing was um, tastings at different restaurants, and then they write back, "Hey, you should be at this restaurant." And then you have another episode lined up where you can basically build. You know, really, creators don't have to have a complete package. They can they can kind of have 10%, 20% of ideas. And then filter comments and just build off that, and then mm. watch the you know the the path kind of watch the bricks kind of fall in front of your feet as you walk. Right, and all of this from 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 your YouTube channel, you were able to grow your audience. Are you still consistently putting in videos there, or like you transitioned to you know the brand channel? That how did you well, go about that? Yeah, we've we've backed off this year. We backed off from the the vlog because. Um, more than anything, because she's gotten really busy. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in the first two months, like everyone, the pandemic was kind of a shock to the system. Oh, yeah, um, it was. Yeah, but she had she really bounced back quick and bounced back well. She ended up going for a short term down over to TV Five for about six months, where she had two, three shows, and then left there and ended up joining GMA at the beginning of this year. And she's been. Um, extremely engaged with GMA and uh, mm. enforcement. So really, we haven't been able to focus on the on the on the pokely cooking on the vlog. Um, it is it we should because it's a nice, it's a great vehicle and it's very convenient to have, you know, a half million subscriber vehicle that you can just dump, oh. you know, <laughs> you know, qualities. My my thing now is I'm thinking um, because she's busy. I'm thinking of evolving. The channel into more of Papang tries because you know, <laughs> I've got the time and availability to show up <laughs> on the videos, and uh, you know yeah, I'm not it, as... it, maybe it's something like recreate your trending videos before and then have you as a star instead. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. totally. It <laughs> sounds like a really interesting thing to look out for, Neva. But yeah. Okay, like when you started the Pokli food product, of course you're based in Antipolo Rizal, right? Was it yeah. was it a challenge for you when you got got started? I mean, it's a middle, it's the middle of a pandemic, right? That's when you yeah. started this. How was yeah, it for so you? There were well, yeah. So we started November 19, mm -hmm. which means we literally started right at the Christmas bazaar season. So <laughs> chaotic time. Chaotic. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I've got a, right now, I, like, I would love to take a moment to like, send my best wishes to all of the people out there that, that used to depend on bazaars for their livelihood. Cause 
it truly is a, a period of the year where people can make great income, can make great strides in their business. You know, the physical product, the physical face-to-face -face meeting. Um, we only experienced it a month and a half, right? You know, like right. we only experienced it that one season. Uh, but, you know, like it's, it's truly a shame that the pandemic, uh, you know, took that away from so many people. And in our personal experience, you know, we were just starting out, we were just getting our feet wet, we were figuring out, you know, how much do you even produce for this bazaar? <laughs> how much, you know, how do I order bottles? You know, who's designing my label? Uh, you know, there was just this, you know, like just bagio of, of different <laughs> aspects of business running, you know, that I, I had to learn kind of on the, you know, basically on the fly. And, you know, we had good success during the bazaars, you know, because it was, it was fresh in the minds. It was a big launch. Mm -hmm. uh, it was really exciting. Uh, people really wanted to try her products and the products are good. I mean, you've, you've tried them, you know. Yeah, yourself. I did. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not, I love it. You know, I'm, I'm a cano, so I'm not going to sit here and judge, you know, Filipino food. But well, you've tried you, it. I love, love it. it. I love it. I love it. Like I love lying. <laughs> I love the garlic alige. I'm down with the suka, the tinapa, you know, like these, me, these... I love it because it's bonelessly. Uh, like I yes. don't eat I don't eat fish, like really. It's like there's that aftertaste, but when I tried, like no bias, huh? Like when I tried it, it's like I could eat this often, you know. <laughs> right. Right. It's it's uh it's just good, hearty food. It's all natural. Um you know, no extenders, nothing. Uh, it's really well made. And, you know, it's what's really cool too is, is our, our food. A lot of it is preset. So you can take it, mm. throw it on whatever you want and go and eat. You don't need um, to. Especially rice, like yeah, hot, steaming. There's not a lot of art they Full of rice. <laughs> straight up, straight up. And so, you know, like that, that start was great, you know, in the bazaars. And, you know, we entered 2020 with really high hopes. We were excited to expand and, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe build up, you know, the, the old, the original goal wasn't so much retail. We were more focused on kind of bulk orders, you know, getting into like, you know, the SMs, yeah, and the malls, yeah. you know, get these supermarkets on bulk orders and mass produce. And then our main, you know, the, 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 the goal, the, top of the mountain for us is export. We want to get export. OFWs yeah, around yeah. the world eating our stuff. And yeah, unfortunately, you know, the pandemic hit and we literally came to a screeching halt, stopped all production, stopped everything of everything because there was no in, there was no out, there was no movement. Uh, no one was buying except our neighbors. So and we it's jumped food, on. Ba. It's like people are so cautious totally. in the middle of a pandemic. No one's going to like really trust with food and none of the know. none of the delivery uh yeah. systems that are so cool now were were in place or able to even deliver yeah. at that point mm. so our, our only market at that point actually was our our subdivision we started a big viber group with our subdivision so all everyone was selling their wares within the subdivision those were the only people we were selling to you know so viber yeah that's yeah. a that's a great parang deep social thing that uh, that retailers should get into it's it's another channel i mean people Absolutely. always think about facebook and like other social media channels but really viber is also a social channel right so you got yeah. into the online space instead of all the retail bazaars 
you know, aside from aside from the whole neighborhood buying your stuff, you went online as well. Yeah, How so we shifted, we shifted heavy online. Like we had, we had already created the Facebook page. We had already created the Instagram page. So we already had that in place and that was fun to post. And, and we were actually using that to hype up the bazaars. So we do the post to push the bazaar or at the bazaar showing it. So, you know, what the evolution was, was from, you know, stigma to go somewhere and buy mm. became stigma to buy up from us here on the site. And so it, it brought in house all the sales efforts. Um, and so we had to start managing sales, um, you know, kind of like a brick and mortar almost like you, right. you know, you have your home base, which is our literally home. Mm. And then from here, we had to like push out and it out. Mm. yeah, and figure out, you know, how to do distribution, how to do inventory, how to run, um, you know, how to, how to promote, how to get people uh, closed, you know, conversions. And uh, yeah, it's just been, um, it's been a crazy process, like to think about, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram evolution, and then we built the website end of last year. And then we right. jumped on the Zada Shopee this year. And, um, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of, you know, I, I feel like we have a lot of things in place. Um, and I think we could stimulate some growth. I think we just need to step up probably our marketing and our, our conversion rate. And, uh, you know, we can start hopefully returning to, to those amazing times pre-pandemic. <laughs> and you still like being, of course, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to go back to offline, like bazaars? Do you still long for that yeah. kind of setup? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. with all the online channels that you have available, what do you think? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. Well, on a personal note, because of my sales background, I loved the bazaars. You oh, know, you're like, right. I love face to face, right? Knocking on doors. <laughs> I love the uh, the sense of urgency. I love the um, the envy, causing the envy. You know, where you you focus on one person, they're buying a bunch of stuff. You're hyping them up. People see, looks like a party. They want a piece of it. They're coming from over here, over here. You know, the attraction method. You know, are they? What are they doing over? You know, that whole circus. <laughs> you know, come see the show. And, you know, we, we had moments where we were just blowing product off the table because, you know, you create that, you have that fun moment with the people, you know, and then, and you know, they're about to eat something amazing and, and you have a, a, a hand in that and it's, you know, Christmas season and, you know, you're just in that, you know, gift giving, you know, yeah, yeah, brethren yeah. <laughs> kind of feel, you know, everyone loves each other and it's all blessings and everything. And, you know, that really got pulled away. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, is the, the social is just such a different animal. You know, there's a, there's kind of this big wall between you and your customers. And it's like every method is finding out, you know, do I go around? Do I throw a rope over the climb over the top? Is there a door? Is there, you know, like all your social is like procurement. And, you know, most of the time I'm just trying to figure out what, what's working. Okay. What's the feedback on this? Um, what were the sales based off this post and hoping this works when that were, you know, like it's, it's very much, um, you know, like a different style of sales. And so uh, it's, yeah. it's become, it's, you know, it, you've got to learn how to sell different. Um, you know, I like how you describe it. Like there's like a wall and then you have to try and go over it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not really a wall for the customers. The customers, in my opinion, are kind of like, 
you know, they're like window shopping. They've got so right. many options. You know, there's like, you know, how many the attention span. How many sukas, how many Ali Gays came on the market la during the pandemic? How many, you know, baked salmons came on the market? You know, the the salmon sushi or whatever it was, you know, like how many of those, how many milk teas came on the market? And so like everyone's just sitting there and they got so many options and you want to differentiate, you want to yeah. close the sale, you want to convert, you also want to like build the trust. And then you want to also like have them coming back. And then, you know, and it's like, there's just so much, so many different levers. Whereas a lot of your needs were just kind of met at bazaars or met, you know, um, attending just certain events, you know, and, and so it's, it becomes a different game, you know, for, for you to learn how to play. Yeah, for sure. And then with your background, being an actor, being in theater, it's like you long for this sort of face-to-face -face energy where you can actually see someone react. Like instead of the virtual react, like the likes, hearts, you know, all that, you actually see the person reacting to how you're you're pitching your offer, how you're selling your, your mm -hmm. wares and your goods, right? There's, there's mm -hmm. that kind of loss, right, of authenticity. Yeah. And I think, and I think Lee, if you would allow me, I think one of the things that would bring you above, above all the other, you know, what you mentioned, the suka and the, all the other, you know, offers the laing in the marketplace. What brings you above all those is actually your brand. You're Lee. She's Pokwang. Yeah. Come on. Like, yeah. Where is the theater and the acting? Maybe have you tried live selling? Is that something that? you wanted to do have you seen that Absolutely. kind of yeah yeah i mean um you know i'll be i'll be honest you know uh while we're here you know talking all these people are, are listening and watching um you know i'll be honest uh live selling has 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 piqued my interest <laughs> so hard like i mean it just looks like the funnest thing it looks like something i could i could have lots of fun with it could be great for our brand um I'll just be honest, Flair, and maybe you understand about this. I'm I'm also the the co-founder, CEO, president, wearing every single <laughs> hat understand of, the, of the of the company. So, uh, you know, I'm getting tied down by financials. I'm getting tied down by intellectual property. I'm getting tied down by office supplies. True, true. true. And you know what? Down. What I always say to my friends, like especially if at their core, they're very creative. And then because of business, sometimes you have this loss of, you know, there, there's that change in mindset because you have to do this, you have to execute this, you have to systemize the whole thing. Totally. And in between that, they lose their creativity. Would you agree? Like, yeah. I'm my creative self. Where is it now? You know, so how do you try to manage this i know you're pretty busy you're a ceo you're the yeah. you're the head of everything and you have to systemize everything but for you for yourself like how do you manage this like this is where the work-life balance comes in like how do you manage that to stay creative i would say yeah well i'm gonna you know let's not let's not deny anything here i'm not gonna um uh toot my horn or claim you know everything's great it's been that's another effect of the pandemic is yeah. work-life balance became work-life hollow hollow like, boom, <laughs> like, like slammed. everything like is slammed here you know like i'm i'm talking to you 
I know the, you know, the backdrop gives it away, but I'm talking to you from my study, my office, which is, you know, three meters by two meters wide. And, you know, literally my, my daughter's room's right over here. So she comes out of her room, runs by, my attention goes directly to that, whatever I'm doing. Um, oh, you know, I would love to see her. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, she's amazing. She's attractive. Problem is she gets in the way of my business. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just being real. Uh, you know, and so Realist, yeah. <laughs> it's been, it's been, a, it's been interesting, you know, like, um, that the, I think I can't, I can't brag about great systems that I've installed because I'm in the process of doing that, you know, like establishing more and more systems and automating and eliminating and, uh, and delegating whatever I need to, um, you know, and that's, um, that's a work in progress. So I'm still working on that. I think a big thing too is the mental, you know, getting around the mental, like, like realizing that, that you need to delegate stuff out, that you need to systematize stuff. Because if I'll be honest, and I'm sure you can, you can agree with this and, and, and back me up that in your case, it was the same. You're the boss, you're the founder, you do everything the best. So like you have someone else doing it, you know, they're not going to be up to your standards. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. And there's true. that mentality. Like, like, <laughs> like, I can't let this go. I have to do this myself. You know, like exactly. you have that, and, you know. know, if that person does and they just mess up this one part and then I lose this client and then this is all over. And then, you know, the landslide comes and wipes out half the house. And then what am I left with? You know, like there's that whole, you know, psychic psychology, psychologic side to things that you need to manage as well. And so, I've been trying to manage that as well. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm slowly but surely getting there on both ends. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to start delegating. I'm excited to start, you know, getting a lot of stuff off my plate that can be systematized. And there's a lot that I can systematize. So fortunately, and I, I think you're very much the same way, is as much as I believe I'm, I'm the best, um, I know there's there's more people that can do the jobs and I'm cool with delegating to them for a higher cause, for, exactly. for evolution, for growth. So I know that if I, you know, as soon as I get those systems and delegation in place, you know, things will start moving in, moving better for, for all of us uh, as soon as that happens. So that's that's basically what, what keeps me. I, I honestly can't give you any advice about a specific system. Oh, I mean... Our, our listeners would love to know about that as well. But yeah, I mean, we can, we always do what we need to do, right? Why don't I, can 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 I flip do. it? Can I flip it on to you? What, what do you believe? What's worked in your case? You know, because I, I find it admirable how you guys have. You oh, know, thank you. Oh, oh, well, you're expanding out into Singapore now. You know, you guys are not just hanging out here in the Philippines. Um, you know, I know you got quite a number of people at the company now. But, oh, not you know, much. This started much. with two of you, right? So yeah, it's just the two of us. But basically, what has helped us is like, like what you said. It's delegating, trusting other people, trusting that they will do a good job with just uh, a little bit of instruction. That you're gonna say, okay, this is our vision. This is what we want to achieve. That you're enabling them to make decisions in order to reach that goal and make themselves accountable. As long as you're out there, I mean, for me, as long as I'm out there and ask them, what's stopping you? What's your impediment? And how can I help? 
And I think that kind of framing has helped my team as well because they approach me and then they tell me, okay, this is what's happening. I need this. I need that in order to reach this metric. And that has helped a lot, Lee. And I'm sure in your end, you're going to see that kind of, you know, interaction with the rest of your team. I know you're running a cloud, you know, a cloud production manufacturing setup right now, but I'm sure later on you'd be able to grow as long as what you said, learn to delegate, learn to trust and, you know, just set them that metric of accountability and you're on your way. Right, right. What do you think? Would that help? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually have another question for you. What When you were starting to delegate, how did you know what to start with when it came to delegation? Okay, yeah, that's actually good. And I think I'm the one being interviewed here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I like this. I like this part of, I like hosting. You like this part where you interview me, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I think um, for me, what would help is I find the things that I already understand, like, for example, this part of the business or this part of the process, I already know um, how I can achieve that. And then I just give them a goal to follow the process. And if the process is not yet set, because like we're startups, right? We're running a startup here. You're also running a startup food business. So what has helped is that, you know, it's not going to be perfect at the start. It's never going to be perfect. But as long as you start with something and give them a roadmap and then say, this is what we have right now, but I would love to achieve this. And then you tell them, make mistakes. It's fine. You're not going to be fired or anything. Just try to explore and see how we can optimize things and make it a better quality. Then we are on our way to become a better team, a better startup, deliver better services, deliver better you know, products to our customers. Because at the end of the day, I think what we all want to achieve here is to help other people, right? You're, you're right. helping your customers um, with, with a better quality of food and better time with their family and be able to like experience this, you know, new discovery, you know? So right. I think we're all in that stage where we might be startups, but we're getting there, you know, because we know that we can improve. And I totally. think that's, that's what helped us. Yeah. Got it. So you saw, you established the processes, set the goal, and then you push them to, to, to achieve that goal. Mind right. keeping in mind your process is set. Yes. And just try to remove any, any, what I call impediments. Cause I do scrum, I, I follow the scrum methodology. I'm a scrum master myself. So what has, What's always in my mind is that how can I help my team? How do I remove the things that's stopping them? So if they say, okay, I can't do this because this is what's blocking me. And that's when, when I come in. Like I don't micromanage them, but I ask them to approach me once they, are, once they hit a roadblock. And then yeah. I ask them, okay, how are you going to fix it? If you can't fix it, how can I help you? Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's his help. And going back, Lee, to work-life balance, because I'm the one who's supposed to ask you. (laughs) I'm kidding. We're out here. We're out here on the the econ. econ Nah, you're very smart. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we're entrepreneurs here. I myself am always challenged with how I keep things. I keep myself sane. How do you do it by yourself? Like. On social yeah. media, you also like 
share your thoughts because I think for me, Lee, what has helped also is like I share my thoughts. It's yes. part of me that's trying to distress or trying to like balance my mental health. And I feel like if I share on social media, I'm trying to like pick out what I'm actually thinking and then like summarizing it in words. And for me, that has helped with my mental health. How about you? How do you do it? Yeah, me, I, um, I find uh, exercise working out is huge for me. Mm. Like I, have to, I commit myself to that um, either 30 minutes or, or two sets of 30 minutes every day. Um, I, I physically have to do that to just exert the energy. Um, mm. I also utilize, uh, oddly enough, taking my daughter out to walk in the morning, probably three, three mornings a week um, mm. is really nice because, you know, I, I, I do sit there and stress on her, but it's, you know, not end of the world stress, you know, like mm. it's, it's kind of nice because it puts in perspective what I'm, you know, it gets me out of the house physically moving. Um, you know, I think that's been one of the biggest challenges too is, is, you know, um, you know, with the pandemic and lockdowns, is you know everything got smashed together but there's no room for that like you know flow out where you can like release and like leave the house and go out here take a road trip or travel here and so yeah. you know like you said I, I i've read a bunch of the stuff that you've you've posted online and you know it's it it really does you know help a lot of people i personally haven't done that um and uh it's a it's a personal thing. Like I've been like, I very much since the beginning of my time in social media, uh, I kind of, I haven't exploited it and utilized it to its fullest. I've been very, um, it's not efficient. It's been very like, like private. Kind of, Is that the private word? And kind of cutthroat and like, like minimalist. Like mm. I know, you know, I get my pictures out. I post, get my captions on it. I'll repost that onto other on the other pages, but um, I I won't express so many feelings and stuff online, and uh, you know it could be it could be a good way to it could be a good thing to do, and I don't like I don't I don't judge anyone who does it. I don't, well, yeah, I mean, it. it's just I personally <laughs> don't do it, so um, I'm much more I internalize much more, and uh, mm. and I, I'll, I'll admit it's it hasn't been the best like to internalize. It's got to be, it's got to be kicked out somehow. So journaling or like, journaling, posting yeah. or, you know, it's start like a public own. journal for me, like social media, yeah. like a public journal. And for me, I've all, I've always asked myself, Lee, like, why, why should I use social? What's the point of social? I mean, aside from it, have like, aside from me being on the platform, because you, the customers, they're there, the clients are there for me, social is like a legacy. So that later on, perhaps my son is going to take a look at my post and he's going to see like, okay, this is how my mother thought about this thing. This is how she thought about that. And for me, leaving that into the world, it's like a gift that you, you offer. It's not just for the people around you or, I mean, you know, your family, but also the people who are going to read up and say, okay, she was able to experience this, but then, you know, she was able to figure out. And then such your growth, you're going to see it like right in front of your eyes and other people's eyes. Like that's for me, that's what social is all about. Nice. Nice. That's but cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 
So yeah, before I let you go, Lee, and it has been really fun. I love how you shared about your journey from, you know, traveling, backpacking, and then figuring out you're going to be an actor, building this new business, meeting Pokwang, of course, and then, you know, these challenges and how you're helping out um, the community, doing your work-life balance, all of this. I want you to wrap it up with one wicked thought. One wicked thought. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the, the things that has been amazing about the pandemic is apart from all the restrictions and all the setbacks and all the doubt and the worry and the fear um, is that it's exposed us all to kind of who we really are. And we've, we, it's a litmus test of really how people are and how, how we act under, under uh, the stress and duress of what was, what was and still is a pandemic. And um, I think, you know, something to think about, um, you know, and it goes back to that Dalai Lama quote where, you know, he talks about how, you know, I'm all I am, I'm just one person out of 7 billion, but there's just one of me in 7 billion. And so believe in yourself that, that, you know, you are unique and believe that, hey, you've made it through all these problems and these issues. And we're here now, we're still here fighting still got a tomorrow to fight for. And beyond that, there's a lot of other people that are struggling right next to you. There are a lot of other people that are going through exactly what you were going through. So don't have to personalize it too much. It's more general now, it's more generalized and socialized the problems and the issues. So I think in community, we can definitely solve that. And at least in community, we can come together and kind of, you know, at least make it, uh, at least smile while it sucks. <laughs> you know? Like at the very least, we can we can just have a good time and smile and be happy while it's not the greatest situation. And then beyond that, be able to push and push and make some make some great changes. And that's the wicked thought of Lee O'Brien. Thank you so much, Lee. Where do they find you if they want to order uh, Pokely products? Where can they find you online? And Absolutely. on social, of course. Yeah, come find us for, for Pokely Foods. You can check us out at www.pokeleyfoods.com. We have stores on Lazada and Shopee, Pokely Foods. And we also have our Facebook and Instagram profiles, Pokely Food Products. Uh, personally, my uh, Instagram and Facebook handle are at Lee O'Brien. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically it. I would say, you know, uh, you know, connect with us, get on Shopee, Lazada, get on the website, order up our food, because basically it all comes back to what our, our mantra and our slogan is. It's that taste of home. You, you will hit a bite of our food. You're going to feel, you're going to have those, those memories and that feeling of being back home. So go get it. There guys. Kani, kani go visit. Lang. Order and kani na lang ang kulang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you, Flair. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that was the latest episode from Wicked Thoughts. This season is sponsored by The Company Co-working Space in Cebu and Content Dash, a simple and fast social media content planner. Sign up for a free account at www.content-app. Tune in for more Wicked Conversations right here at Wicked Thoughts.